Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Vampires! <laughs> That's right, everybody. It's a spooky episode of Cold Podcast. Ah, Blah. ah, ah. But instead of goblins and ghouls, it's the Catholic Church. <laughs> so goblins and ghouls, got it, got it, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, we did look at a bunch of pictures of popes, and they all look like goblins and ghouls. They're Little green ghouls. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a fun episode. It is the last episode in our series on the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition. You never saw it coming, but here it is, baby, and it's good. Hey, we want to tell you a couple things before we start you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash cold podcast uh there's a brand new episode of the speculation zone from last week where we cover uh the knights templar and um yeah it's a good one and that show's coming back we're gonna work on the schedule see what works for us but uh yeah it's it's gonna be a fun time so go ahead and go over there. If you want to follow myself, I'm at Mondo Does Stuff on all social media. That's M-A-M... Wait, nope. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff, all one word. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, fucking everything. You can find me. Hey, if you're listening to this on launch day, uh, you should come out and see Roast Battle in Hollywood if you are in Los Angeles. Uh, you can follow me for more deets at Rampage Wesley on Instagram or Page Wesley on Twitter. And if you don't hear enough of my voice already, you can hear it on Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pope. Hell yeah. So let's get into the show, baby. Ivan. To some. Your blood. Ah, ah, ah. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Torture and oh, Burning. No. Okay. All right. Well, what better way to spend Halloween than by looking at some real life horror? True. True indeed. And even though. There have been three episodes in this series before. This one, most unexpected, it is the Spanish Inquisition! <laughs> That's right, folks. It's the scariest thing that could possibly happen on Halloween. Religion. <laughs> Happy Jesus Ween! <laughs> oh my god. Did you... Did the church have, like their own halloween festivities or did you grow up in one of those like halloween is satan churches no uh my my church had fall family festival so they would have like and it was like a carnival mm -hmm. and it was usually a few like a couple days around halloween so it wasn't like just the one night mm. um so we it's... would usually go at some point but then we also trick-or-treated like we did regular halloween it seems like a it seems like a 
big misstep to plan a carnival around Halloween, especially with all them evil clowns what that come to life and kill kids. <laughs> well, and okay, so the thing at our church, Fall Family Festival, it was essentially all the stuff that people love about Halloween with nothing scary mm-hmm. for the people who because because there are people that don't celebrate for sure. And so it was like designed so those people could still have fun. Mm-hmm. But also everyone's in costumes. It's right around the same time. We're bobbing for apples. There's caramel corn. There was a cakewalk, which I have never seen anywhere before or since, but it used to happen every year at, at uh, Fall Family Festival, where it's essentially like you have a number and like you or they call a number and you walk in a circle and there's numbers on the floor and whatever number you stop on, like if they called your number, you want a cake. And oh. they just have like a bunch of cakes. Okay, you said cakewalk, and my mind yeah. went to like Fear Factor walking on coals, but it's cake. No, but that would also be awesome. But no, it was just like free cake, and they would have like mazes, and even like there were some things like for a while they had like a junior high area because the school it was also at the school I went to, which was also at our church, uh, and went up to junior high. So like they had like a maze, but it was like. A scary maze with like no ghosts or skeletons, just like strobe lights and screaming. But it was like made of cardboard and you would kind of, I don't know. But like it was designed so that like if you need a safe place to go on Halloween, Mm -hmm. you could go there. Again, my point of view is that if you're creating a place that is uh, advertised as free of scares, a carnival (laughs) on Halloween, (laughs) you are inviting evil clowns into your life. You might as well have had the fucking full moon hermit and scary dog festival. Yeah. Well, and I I also know churches that used to do trunk or treat anyway. Mm -hmm. So like there are some churches that are just like it's it's Halloween. But you could be here and it's safe and there's stuff for kids to do. I don't know. I get the point of view. Again, it just seems like inviting. uh, It's like (laughs) it's like, hey, let's have a blood drive in the dead of night. And it's sponsored by our weird Transylvanian neighbor that no one's ever truly talked to before. (laughs) Well, you also have to remember that when I was a child, it was the height of the satanic panic or Uh or satanic panic was still very much a thing. And so. Halloween at the time was a little iffy for people of a church going uh, ilk. And so it's kind of crazy to look back and think that like my parents did let us do Halloween, but they also didn't let us watch scary movies and stuff. So like there's some parts that I'm like, I think my parents might've just really liked costumes. Like, <laughs> I think my, pa- I think my parents are theater kids. <laughs> they are like, I think my parents might just be theater people uh, and candy people. <laughs> and they were like, we're going to let this one go. <laughs> My parents are theater kids. Help. Help. Uh, my grandma <laughs> definitely. We used to sometimes go to my grandma's house and trick or treat around her house. Cause I, and I have pictures of us there and stuff like yeah. that. But, but yeah, looking back, I'm like, I'm pretty sure my parents just like costumes. That's so um, funny. The idea yeah. that help my parents are theater kids is just like, <laughs> every time my dad has to change the volume on the TV, he gets up and there's a big audio board that he has to get to. Oh, no. Instead, my dad... <laughs> So my dad, my dad's TV, my, my parents' TV <laughs> has a voice activated setting on the remote. No. 
that I refuse to use because it's just I'm like I'm, my fingers are faster. My dad exclusively uses the voice commands on the remote uh, and it is just a difference between us. And you know what? Someday we'll find a compromise. I'm excited for Halloween, but also I feel like I got robbed of a good Halloween. Um, basically, yeah, I'm not really having a Halloween this year either. No, I mean you're doing you're doing roast battle, which is yes. going to be fun, and I'm going to be there, and it is going to be uh, a scary good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, take that free marketing. No, I <laughs> I'm gonna I I've I've worked on so many things. Um, including a tabletop role-playing show must be dice season two out now baby come on when you're listening to this the second episode of season two is out on rooster teeth uh, and it'll come out everywhere else on tuesday anyway for that show as you'll see today i had to paint my face green uh and i painted (laughs) i painted my face green so frequently this month that i i ruined my face skin oh no are you breaking out yeah, basically every couple days after I would paint my face green, which was for a while, every single week, uh, I would just like have wicked fuck, wicked fucking acne and shit in there. Um, and then when it came to time for our actual Halloween party, I was only able to go to one. I went to our friend Iffy's Halloween party, but I worked so late that I showed up at one forty-five. <laughs> so. When the Uber finally got there, he was like, where is this place? And I said, hey, you see where all those people are leaving? That's where I'm going. <laughs> so I I feel I mean, bad. At, least, I'm, at least you got to see Iffy, probably. At least I got to see DJ Iffy, and one of the guys from Smosh was there, and he... I asked Iffy to play one song. I wanted to hear one song, just one. It was, was just it Tatiana by Blueface. It, it, no, it was close though. <laughs> uh, it, and all I wanted was to turn up to that fucking song. And he goes, "I got you. I'll put it up next." He had like a turntable set up. He was doing his own DJ set. It fucking rocked. And then I go to make a bunch of people drinks and I hear my song come on and I do the, oh, that's my song dance where you put both your drinks up in the air and you go, oh, yes. and gyrate. And then uh, during the chorus of the song, I heard, and then the song started skipping a whole bunch. And I went, what the fuck is going on? And I look outside and one of the guys from Smosh is on the turntable being like, wow, this is such a fun toy. And I almost beat this man's ass. (laughs) What song was it? I'm afraid to admit it, but it was Bankroll by Brock Hampton. It was, it's a good, it's not even like, it's just a good song. I just wanted to hear a song. I was drunk. I wanted to hear it, and I almost started a beef between Rooster Teeth and Smosh. I am, I'm serious, Paige. Two two thirty in the morning at this point. I almost I almost killed a man over a song. I, hey, I mean, back when I I still drank at like a, a, a few Halloweens back at Madison Shepherd's birthday party because her birthday is uh, in or either on Halloween or right around Halloween, and she used to have a birthday at Silver Lake Lounge every year. And one year she went and I had been drinking and they played All I Do Is Win. Uh-huh. Uh, and I wrapped the entire Ludacris verse into Crystal Adams's face. Luda! Luda! And uh, she, like, I finished and she just went, I couldn't get my phone out fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> and we've laughed about it ever since. 
uh well all i do is podcast 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 yep. it never stops <laughs> Ludacris going in on the verse because i've never been defeated and it won't stop now let's do the spanish Inquisition. Oh, fuck, i couldn't get my phone out fast enough <laughs> all right yeah let's get into it spanish sources First and foremost, the Behind the Bastards episodes on Columbus. I will talk about them a little bit more in this episode today. But specifically, this is the episode where that's going to come in and how and why Columbus gets the freedom that he gets to do what he wants, which turns out to be genocide, like a lot of it. Then we have uh, The Culture of Inquisition in Medieval England by Katie L. Walker and Mary C. Flannery. We have Inquisition by Edward Peters. We have The Vatican is Investigating the Inquisition in Secret from Alexander Stanley from the New York Times. We have The Inquisition entries uh, from Britannica. We have uh, The Inquisition, Christian and Jewish Relations from the Jewish Visual Library, Virtual Library, sorry. Uh, We have Expecting the Spanish Inquisition, Economic Backwardness and Religious Persecution uh, from CEPR. We have the Spanish Inquisition and Jewish History from Chabad.org. And we have Origins of the Inquisition in 15th Century Spain by B. Netanyahu. We have Conversos, Inquisition and the Expulsion of the Jews from Spain by Norman Roth. And we have an article from The Guardian called After 200 Years, the Spanish Inquisition Still Exacts Its Toll by Torsten bell are you ready absolutely and of course for all of our spanish speakers out there we're talking about the spanish inquisition aka la pregunta espanol ah is that the actual no i'm pretty sure that just means the spanish question i don't know spanish <laughs> very spanish well spanish question the spanish the spanish solution <laughs> like do you know the Spanish question? It's do you want red or green? I turned into a vampire. I did. I started. I also to... like that you went red or green, and that's a Mexican question. Okay, what is a Spanish question? Uh, this feels like it could be like some weird saying. Do you want the ball or do you want the nap? Mm, Donde están las tapas? Uh, so. You know, the, a lot of people don't know this, but Span, Spaniards actually do tapas because they have a food shortage, but they have a plate overage. <laughs> That's <laughs> the craziest theory I've ever heard. A lot of people don't know this, but they got too many damn plates in so Spain. They got so many small plates. They got, all, they, got all these, they got all these plates with no food. Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, I I will say I've been to Europe a handful of times. And one of those times I spent 17 days in Spain and the food is amazing. And like it does not get the credit it deserves because everyone's just like, oh, go to Italy, like go to France for the food. No, go to fucking Spain. Go to Spain. Okay, you were there 17 days. Amazing food. You ever Uh see a big plate? No. Not once. Too many tiny plates. (laughs) Not once. Too I will many say, tiny plates. After this episode, you're not going to want to go to Spain because it's going to be a lot of bad stuff that we're going to talk about. Nah, I pretty much never um, want to go to Spain. Also, the reason they have but, such tiny plates is because they never let them grow full size into a big plate. Yeah, they store them in these little cages so they can only get so big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the veal of, of dinnerware. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if you'll remember last week, Uh, The Cathars are basically wiped out after a number of battles and a small period of peace within the kingdom of Aragon. Aragon is, as you may remember, in modern day Spain. Mm -hmm. The Inquisition of the Cathars extends into the 14th and 15th centuries, as we talked about. 
but the scuffle in Aragon years earlier had left lasting wounds on the papacy and Spain in general. Now, in order to broker peace with Aragon, as you'll remember, the kingdom of Aragon had sheltered the Cathars, right? And then went to war against the Pope and would have won, in fact, kind of did, but King Peter II is killed in battle. The only reason the Pope's army lives to see another day is because Peter dies, which leads the Pope to institute a law excommunicating anyone who fights against them. This is all stuff that we talked about a little bit last week. Right. I remember all this. The catheters got wiped out uh, in the kingdom of Eric Andre, and now people are scared to be Catholic, I think. Uh yeah, uh, well, scared to not be Catholic, if you ah, want to think of it that way, the because the, the church basically can't beat them in battle anymore, so they threaten to basically just excommunicate everybody, uh, which leads to people in other parts of Europe basically surrendering all of their Cathar neighbors, which leads to the more Inquisition elements that we had at the end of last week where they had to wear markers, they had to report for punishment. Ah. They were only allowed certain ways to worship or to live and if they violated any of that they could be burned at the stake uh, at any time the original trunk or treat where you went to somebody and went give me your land give me your car or i'll fucking <laughs> give me kill your you car or i'll burn you at the stake uh now in aragon and other parts of spain this had led to some pretty serious unrest why well geography so if you don't know a lot about Spain, or if you've never been to Spain, you may not realize that at some points, Spain is only eight miles away from North Africa. Um, super close, right across the Strait of Gibraltar. Uh, Morocco in particular. And so Spain, at this time and throughout its history, has had a pretty substantial Muslim population. And due to Jewish people being all but hunted throughout Europe during the Crusades so people could steal their land... A lot of Jewish people have fled there and North Africa. And having been to these parts of Spain, it's beautiful. And some of those sections are kind of hybrid, uh, kind of Islamic and Catholic. It's very interesting where there's a lot of mosque slash cathedrals, a building that is both a mosque and... And a Catholic cathedral. Or so the Taco Bell pizza hut of religion. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, and, and a lot of them refer to buildings that have been one or the other or both throughout the centuries. Uh, and there's one in particular I want to talk about just because it kind of illustrates what happened in Spain during this time. So uh, the Mosque Cathedral of Cordoba, or uh, as it is known in modern day, uh, is a... <laughs> with the Q. <laughs> uh, Cordoba uh, is a sprawling church filled with intricate tile patterns and arches that seem to stretch almost to infinity. If you Google it, it might actually look familiar because people have been modeling movie sets, paintings, and video games after it for as long as we've had modern media. Armando, I would like you to Google it because I feel like you're going to be like, I've seen this place before. Yep. Cudobo. Uh, <laughs> it's in every it's in every uh every strip mall no, the wow, mosque this cathedral place looks like of queso. cordoba wow this place looks just like queso the mosque cathedral, cathedral of 
Cordoba. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, the thing that I was tripping out on is that, like, okay, the reason that the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell works is because they both have the same parent company. And I realized <laughs> that... Yeah, kind of. We're both Abrahamic religious. Yeah, exactly. It's the same. <laughs> Abraham is the fun, the, the, the yum foods of God, where it just, <laughs> it's got its little fucking branches <laughs> heading out everywhere. everything. Um, wow. Yeah, I have seen this before with the like... Arches. Yep. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it, but I was going to say it got a, this building looked like Ahsoka from Star Wars. Um, it, it does. It, I, I fully understand what you're, you're saying and why you mean that. Um, I feel like I've also played between Tomb Raider, Uncharted, and oddly enough, Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> I have played like four different games with a level that looks like this place. I forgot which that. Is, I forgot that level where Ratchet forces Clank to convert to Catholicism. <laughs> oh, it's it's against his programming. Uh, so <laughs> in the Ratchet and Clank one, oddly enough, it's like a metal courtyard version of this where you have to walk on top of the arches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having been there in person, it's very like beautifully quiet in person. Like I remembered like, really liking it just like when we were there it was beautiful uh and then i feel like i see it constantly show up in any number of things um yeah, damn this is gorgeous i will say wow beautiful? holy shit so if you do have a chance the mosque cathedral of cordoba do google it because yeah the archways are probably the most notable piece of it but every yeah. so often you'll you'll like skate through to a different part of the building and it's also just beautiful. Yes, and it's and and I'll talk about it in, in just a second, but it's it's a Catholic church that doesn't look like a Catholic church, but it's a, a mosque that doesn't quite look like a mosque. I would say that the arches are really one of the most fascinating things to see in person because in the like pictures they look very expansive and you're like clearly this is a big room. You have no idea. Like you get there in person and you're like, how big is this? Like, it feels like it could go on forever. Like you would walk through arches for hours. It's wild. It is really, really weird. A great way to cool in a really cool way. A great way to look at it is you'll see some, a lot of the pictures with arches don't have people in it, but then you'll see, for example, you'll see a couple shots of the outside of where those arches must be with trees. And you're like, wait, hold on. And then you'll find a picture of the arches with a person underneath and you, that your brain does scale. And of course, yes, Europeans smaller than Americans, (laughs) but not like Polly pocket size. Well, hold on Paige. (laughs) I've been to Europe and there are tiny people. Yeah, I, I remember walking through. We were there for like half an hour, and I feel like I walked through arches for half an hour yeah. and didn't double back. Like that, like that's how big it feels. It's really crazy. Yeah. It's they're um, tall, they're expansive. They're like, yeah, look yeah. at that. They, Jesus, they just keep going. Yeah. So the reason I bring this place up is because this mosque cathedral in particular has a pretty interesting history that kind of echoes what's happening in Spain at the time. First and foremost, it is allegedly, and I'm going to say allegedly, you'll ex- you'll see why in just a second. Allegedly, it was a Vigothic place of worship. Uh, basically, it, the initial structures were built by a Germanic people under the Roman Empire while it was still 
kind of around, although it was definitely during the downturn of uh, Roman rule. However, there's very few remaining records of this. Some people debate it because you can't find a lot of evidence of it because in 785, uh, Abd ar-Rahman I, the founder of the Umayyad Arab dynasty that would control all of the Iberian Peninsula, has a mosque constructed over the Germanic structure. So basically he's like, I conquered this place. Now it's a mosque. That's when most of the arches are built. Uh, that's the mosque portion. Um, and it remains a mosque until 1236 when a local city, and I say local, it is the next city states over, uh, the city state armies of Castile, which were Catholic, conquered the Iberian Peninsula under something that they call, we're going to talk about in just a second, the Reconquista. And it becomes a Christian Catholic, specifically, cathedral. Uh, but they didn't want to tear it all down because it is what? Beautiful. So they kind of just made small changes to fit their worship. But that's the period we're talking about. This is why Spain is in a period of unrest. Modern day, everyone is cool with saying this is a mosque cathedral. It is both. It is, you know, the Pizza Hut, Taco Bell of religion. Thank you. Uh, back in the day, that was there. That compromise was never going to happen. It was not going to happen. Spain was in a period of unrest. Let's talk about what they refer to as the Reconquista. Now, Reconquista is a term that's been used pretty widely in modern history, but really it is a term that trends drastically towards Spanish nationalism during this time. It plays into the narrative of a united Spain and the narrative of Columbus and his kind of aka holy mission to both represent Spain, go to new worlds. It's the idealized version of this history. Let's talk about what actually fucking happened. So, as we mentioned, Spain is a little bit different from the rest of Europe because of its proximity to northern Africa and just Muslim nations in general at this time. And this is why the Pope is worried about them following the Cathars incident. Because Spain, like most of Europe, is a collection of city-states at this time. So is Italy, so is France, so is any number of things. So some of them are Catholic, and some of them are Muslim, and some of them are in between. And so for 700 years, they fight with the health, help of the Catholic Church to try and conquer all of the Muslim city-states. So this is, and, and this is an extremely limited version of this history just because otherwise this episode would be hours and hours and hours long. So the Umayyad kingdom conquers them in the 700s. They conquer a huge portion of Spain, a lot of different city-states, and they rapidly expand and conquer most of the northern Christian city-states of Spain. And of course those Christian states hate that. Uh, so they constantly fought back. It was never a, a calm, peaceful time. Um, and Abd al-Rahman I is a pretty solid conqueror king. Like, he rules pretty successfully. He conquers a lot in his lifetime. He really sets the stage for a full-blown empire encompassing most of what we would know as modern Spain. However, his descendants 
weren't necessarily as great at it. They do the same thing that happened to Rome. They expanded too fast. They got spread too thin. People fight back and they started to lose territory. So that's what starts to happen in the 10th, 11th and 12th centuries. The Christians are fighting back and they are reconquering those city states one at a time. So do you remember when I talked about with the Cathars that the Pope installed Peter II as King of Aragon? That's how this happens. Like as they reconquer a city state, they put a king in charge of that city state. So each of these become little tiny Christian kingdoms. But it's the Pope and his armies that are doing a lot of heavy lifting until some of these city states have a couple hundred years to kind of grow into their own thing, which is what is happening between the 10th and 12th centuries. So now that they have kind of conquered a substantial amount of Spain, they've been fighting with the the Muslims, but they have a pretty substantial amount of city states. This is when the Cathar incident changes the game because the Pope thought he could count on Peter II. So when Peter II disagrees with him, he's like, uh, we're going to war. And Peter II is like, bro, I'm already at war. I've been at war for years, hundreds of years. The church just spent a ton of armies trying to handle Peter of Aragon and the Cathars. And then Peter and the Cathars are fighting both the Pope and the Muslims. So now everyone in Spain is pissed because <laughs> they're just like, we have been at war for 700 years and now the Pope is forcing us to go to war for these people that are just minding their own damn business. Like, leave us alone. We have bigger fish to fry. I, and the church realizes they've made kind of a misstep. I know this isn't like an uncommon thing in other time eras, but the idea of being at war for 700 years. 700 years. Really blows my mind because basically a baby come out of the womb and you just take this newborn baby and go, hey, we fucking hate these people. Mm -hmm. And that person lives their whole life and dies at war. Yeah. And then it just, yeah, Crazy. it just fucking goes out. It's. That's an insane, that's an insane thought process to me. Yeah. Well, and I, I think for a lot of people, I think it might have been kind of like today a mm -hmm. little bit where your day to day doesn't change that much. People just inform you when big stuff happens. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Where you're like, oh, who am I paying my taxes to now? Oh, okay. You know? Unless you were a soldier, obviously, if you were a soldier, it would drastically change. But yeah, the Pope, as part of a peace treaty mm -hmm. with uh, Peter of Aragon, like they are no longer agreeing. The Pope is threatening to excommunicate people. Spain is mad and the Pope fucks back off to the Holy Land. He's like, I'm not going to fight with Spain anymore. You handle your own shit. We'll handle our shit. And they go back to try and fight with the Templars in the Holy Land where they lose spectacularly, which we kind of covered on our, our Templars speculation zone. But they're not gaining any ground in the Holy Land. Es essentially, the Pope is bleeding armies all over Europe. And then when he can't fund a war, he steals armies from other kingdoms. And Spain is tired of it. Because in the 12th century, they spent all this time working their way back, getting themselves to a place where they have reconquered a huge section of Spain. And then they got to go help the 
Pope with his stupid Cathar problem. And while that happens, the Almohad Caliphate of North Africa retakes most of Spain. So now Catholic armies in Spain have fought other Catholics, fought Muslims, then had to come back and fight Muslims again. So they're like, at any point, just please, Pope, stop. So the church finally, after losing in the Holy Land, gives them a few more armies to try and at least solidify their border, specifically around Castile and the state of Aragon, because those have emerged as some of the bigger players in the ongoing battles. Um, But after hundreds of years of battles, just a little over 700 years at this point, something super important happens in Spain. In 1469, two people get married, and it changes the course of history. And you wouldn't think that something so small, seemingly so small, would have such an impact, but it really does. Like, and not in a great way. These two people getting married hurts, I mean, millions of people at this point when you calculate it over the course of time. But... (sighs) Yes, I know. Obviously, you're talking about Kim and Kanye. Absolutely. I mean, can you believe that she... Well, I can't get it. <laughs> no, I, it's crazy that when that started, everyone was like, what is Kanye thinking? And now it's turned full circle where it's like, damn, I... Fuck, I love Kim and I just hope she's okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like a whole mess. Like, a yeah. It's crazy. She seems like a nice lady, and I just wanted to raise her kids and be a lawyer. She's trying to be Aaron Brockovich. She can have it all. Well, I mean, speaking of very famous couples where at least one of them hates the Jews. (laughs) We're going to cover one today. (laughs) Today... We are going to talk about, in 1469, the marriage of Isabella I of Castile and Ferdinand II of Aragon. So what this does is this joins two of the largest city-states in Spain. And by most historical accounts, this becomes the first iteration of a united Spain. They are the first people to be referred to as the king and queen of Spain. That's kind of a a huge deal at the time because it is Spain not only retaking city-states but then uniting to form one giant city-state. And it was because of love, right? Of course not. Uh, I mean, maybe. I don't know. But no, probably not. Uh, Isabella, we don't have a ton of time to get into it. It may be worth... I don't even know if we could fill a whole speculation zone on it. Maybe we could. But Isabella fights her siblings literally tooth and nail to become queen like she yeah it's pretty brutal and even while she's married so like when they get married at 1469 she's not queen she's not queen until uh i believe 1474 uh but she fights like tooth and nail to become queen and and it's not until i think 1479 that they are both king and queen of their respective city states which then kind of causes this whole like united thing but regardless this is how we get the spain that we know today but it's also how we get a lot of racism and murder in europe in america in south america and africa like so much um 
whether or not this was purely political uh, to appease the Pope and keep his armies and resources or just for personal vendettas, both Isabella and Ferdinand were hardcore crusade fans. They wanted to retake the Holy Land and they wanted the Muslims out of Spain. Uh, and they were fucking serious about it. And in part because they have grown up only knowing those wars. That's the entire lifetime they have grown up in. And the same goes for anyone else growing up in Europe at that time. If you're European growing up in this this time period, the Crusades are always around and always have been around. And if you've grown up Catholic, you've been you've grown up being told that you are on air air quotes the right side of history. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was doing some googling while we were talking because I had this little thing in my head, which was like, damn. I wonder how old she was when she was fighting tooth and nail to become queen. She became queen at the age of 23. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she started fighting for it when she was like 17. What a fucking boss bitch, dude. Well, I mean, bitch for sure. (laughs) Nah, 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 nah. Gaslight, gatekeep, girl boss, baby. (laughs) All Queen Isabella I of Castile did was eat hot chip and lie and become queen. And sell more leggings than everyone else. Um, (laughs) Also, just as an interesting fun fact, she is one year older than her husband. Yes, that's um, I, I was totally assuming it was going to be like, she's 23 and he's 73. Not always. You know, when when the marriages when marriages were advantageous for political reasons, those age mm-hmm. differences are not unusual. Uh, speaking of Aragon, Catherine of Aragon and Henry VIII, she was considerably older than him. She had married his brother. His brother passes away. He marries her to keep that alliance alive. So like there are, you know, royalty and political advantageousness makes strange bedfellows. But one of the things that is really interesting about Isabella in particular is that she is a bloodthirsty monster. Uh, But even she at a certain point, and this is why you should definitely go listen to those behind the bastards episodes at a certain point, Columbus reports back on what he's been doing in the new world. And she's like, this seems like a bit much. (laughs) (laughs) So like, like, like the stories we're going to hear about her in this episode, you're like, what a terrifyingly terrible lady. And then for her to be like, whoa, Columbus, slow down. <laughs> like what? How much worse must his conduct have been? Yeah, basically? buddy. We're assholes, not monsters. <laughs> so they're hardcore crusade originalists, if you want to think of it that way. And they bring in a Dominican friar as one of their advisors. This is a man named Fray Alonso de Ojeda, uh, who convinced Queen Isabella in particular of the existence of something he called crypto Judaism. Oh, cool. That's when you get <laughs> that's when you get circumcised on the blockchain, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> Right. Um, I didn't even want to say it. I know you didn't, but that's why I also have have in my notes, pause for Armando joke. (laughs) Because I knew there was no way I was going to say crypto Judaism without an NFT joke. They also, they referred to them as crypto Jews at one point. (laughs) That sounds like something Kanye would say. Honestly, like I'm pretty sure that 
in some conversation where Kanye has discussed the Jews owning the banks, yeah. the words crypto Jew have come up. Yeah, uh, I feel like yeah. here, I'm just going to I'm going to go ahead and just do a quick little Google search for crypto Jew. See how long it takes me to get to See how long it takes you to find a Twitter handle of a, a young guy named, you know, like like Jaime or something that that is just like a young Jewish guy trading on the blockchain and he managed to get the handle crypto Jew. And it took me three pages to find racism. There we go. Whoa, what? Well, that's been another racism speed run, everybody. <laughs> a lot of people are actually looking up crypto Jews as the people that we're talking about. Um That's correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. Also, I just wanted to go ahead and say, I know that you didn't have a pause for this joke, but they brought in a Dominican friar. Damn, I love queso frito. Hell yeah. <laughs> I have written in my notes, I love plantains. But I, did, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know if Armand is going to catch the Dominican part. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was going to say I love platanos, but then I was like, nah, platanos. man. Fucking queso frito, dude. That shit rocks. Queso frito, also delicious. In case um, you're wondering, by the way, queso frito, fried cheese. That's yes, it. That's yes. that is the dish. Every culture has a fried cheese, and mm -hmm. I will sample all of them. Absolutely, it's fucking mm -hmm. amazing. Yes. So, what does crypto Judaism mean in this context? Well, Christian armies at this time had learned fucking nothing from the Roman Empire. <laughs> Um, see, when the Roman Empire conquered people, they would pretty much let them do whatever the fuck they wanted as long as they paid their taxes to Rome. That was kind of their thing of just like, you keep doing you, just pay us and we cool. And that actually allows for a relative modicum of peace in the territories outside of Rome proper for a long time. Um, that's part of why that empire lasts so long. The Greek empire was very, very similar under Alexander the Great. That's why those things last thousands of years. The Catholics, on the other hand, uh, whenever they conquered people, they required conversion to remain on the land and have a peaceful transition. So basically, either you convert to Catholicism or we kill you or you leave. But the only way you get to keep your home at some point, is to convert. Now, let so, me get this straight. You're saying I could stay on my land, but all I got to do is every Sunday I got to eat a cracker and drink some wine and believe it's a guy's body? Yep. Okay, okay, cool. I actually like the sound of that. Now, there's not like an overwhelming sense of guilt that comes along with this, is there? Wouldn't dream of it. Uh, ah, <laughs> a perfect religion. Uh, so Jews or Muslims who chose to convert to save their own lives, because that's what this is, were known as conversos uh, in Spanish. So crypto-Judaism refers to the belief that conversos were practicing their previous religion in secret, and Queen Isabella couldn't stand for that. Which, by the way, if, like, in secret, what do you care? Like, just, you know, let them be. Yeah, <laughs> but no. It doesn't... It's also, I mean, I know this might not be necessarily the right take that I'm supposed to have, but like, if all you want is their fucking money and they're paying the money, then just do, let them do take whatever. Take the money. Yeah, Who take the money. Who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. Yep. Queen Isabella couldn't stand for that. So in 1478, Isabella and Ferdinand 
petition Pope and get ready. You're sitting down. Mm-hmm. Pope Sixtus the Fourth. <laughs> no, it's not, Paige. No, it's fucking not. Come it on. Is. It is. <sighs> it is. And I've been laughing about it for like two days. Pope when I was a child, the fourth. When I was a child, we had a goldfish whose name was Bubblegum the seventy fourth or something. And it's like, how am I on the same level as whoever named a fucking pope, my guy? <laughs> just the fact, like Pope Threethis the fifteenth. Oh, like. actually, I just remembered. For just as a stupid correction, it was uh, it was Bubblegum the eleventy third. That's what mm, it was. Mm. So. They petitioned Pope Sixtus, Sixtus, six, Sixtus the fourth, the fourth, the eleventy third, the eleventy third, to start a new inquisition for the conversos specifically, and they get approval to appoint older priests. Um, and the Pope agrees to this. He he basically wants them to just question the people that have converted to make sure that everyone's officially converted, right? But he's not fully sold. He doesn't want to divert any resources. And the conversos are pretty low on his priority list because he's kind of like, well, at least they agreed to our fake terms as opposed to the armies of the Turks in the East who are just wrecking our shit right now. Um, So he agrees in part to the request. But Isabella and Ferdinand come back again and they're like, that's not enough. We want this inquisition to be controlled completely by our monarchy, not the church. And the Pope is like, um, we're kind of the inquisition people. And they said, if you feel that way, we can remove our armies from the crusades with the Turks. And he said, no, no. Uh, (laughs) I just, I know they don't have phone calls, but I imagine him on a phone and goes, we'll pull our people out. And then he turns around and looks at his shit just getting rocked and goes, no, it's fine. Actually, it's chill. It's It's like totally chill or whatever. It's fine. So it takes Spain a few years to organize because unlike the Catholic church, they didn't have like ready made inquisition squads. Uh, But by 1480, they begin interrogating and having trials for conversos in multiple regions of Spain. And in 1481, the first public penance demonstration occurs. And these are based on heresy charges. These are people who claim to have converted but then were found practicing secretly, according to them. No one knows how true that is because it's a fucking inquisition. Um, but on that day in 1481, six people are burned alive. And from there, it spreads through Castile and Aragon specifically. And by 1483, only two years later, all Jews are expelled from Andalusia. All, regardless of religious affiliation. Because here's the thing, and you will see people argue about this online, about whether it was racism or like some people will even argue in a roundabout way that they're like, oh, it was to reduce heresy executions. I'm like, well, it did the opposite of that. Um, it is anti-Semitic, 100%, because the Crusades are anti-Semitic in general. Like the there is so much anti-Jewish rhetoric and anti-Jewish sentiment and the belief that you can just take Jewish lands and that they are standing in the way of the true servants of God controlling the Holy Land 
all of it is wrapped up in this anti-Semitic belief system. And so Spain takes their first opportunity they can to start just kicking Jews out. And if they wouldn't leave peacefully, they started to have live punishments and burnings, which led to people turning their neighbors in to avoid potentially being burned alive. It's very, very, very much like Nazi Germany. They just don't have camps. Uh, in this case, if Jewish people wanted to leave, they were technically allowed to and encouraged to, but their possessions are often seized, leaving them homeless and penniless, attempting to find some country in Europe that wouldn't immediately fuck them over. So some of them go to Portugal and Italy, where they are forcibly converted by a different inquisition only a few years later, and others go to North Africa. Now, here's the thing. This was right now just the Jews. This didn't fully apply to Muslims yet. And if you never officially converted to Christianity, like if you weren't a converso, if you were just like, I'm not converting and not moving and had somehow lasted this long, there was a weird legal loophole where they, you technically were not subject to church law because you're not a Christian. So until they were able to like formally make it the law of the monarchy, you were safe in this weird legal loophole. But as soon as it became a monarchical in inquisition, you were fucked basically. Yeah. So basically you just have a bunch of people holding up a contract going, uh, 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 I'm grandfathered into Judaism, exactly. baby. And unlimited text and calls for 1099. Right. You fucked mm -hmm. up. Yep. Now to his slight credit, Pope Sixtus the Fourth. Okay. It's still funny. It shouldn't be funny. Every fucking time. Pope Sixtus the Fourth hated this. He didn't want to have this much violence. He thought it made the church look bad, but he was low on armies, and after literally centuries of war, it makes interesting bedfellows. Do you know how fucking crazy that sounds? <sighs> okay. I don't want to be violent, but I'm not ready to be violent enough when I need to be. So right. I need to be more violent so that the violence that I think is okay violence can continue to be violent. And here's where Christopher Columbus enters the chat. And we're only going to spend a very, very short amount of time on this because you could absolutely and should absolutely go listen to the Behind the Bastards episodes on Columbus and his voyages and where this takes him. But this is what I mean by Ferdinand, Ferdinand and Isabella's marriage causes millions of deaths because of their association with Columbus and in their own backyard. So uh, wow. Christopher you, Columbus. You should feel like a piece of shit. Your wedding didn't even cause one death. I know. No one died. <laughs> Uh, yet, uh, <laughs> but the slow acting poison we put in the five cakes, they're doing their work. We hope you didn't shit it out already. If you did, <laughs> we're out of luck, but you know, whatever, we'll try again on an anniversary at some point. So Columbus grows up in Italy during crusader Europe and he is aggressively pro crusade. Uh, the behind the bastards episodes go into his childhood a little bit more where he was raised in a particularly conservative sect of Catholicism. So he is aggressively pro-crusade. And he knows that Isabella and Ferdinand are too, and they're new monarchs in a technically new country because Spain is new. And they are going 
after non-Christians pretty hard. So he approaches them with an offer that they can't refuse. If you really want to get rid of the Jews, and if you really want to take back the Holy Lands, it sounds like you need gold to do it, and I know where to get some. So this is the pitch he gives them to go on his voyage. Let me go to the new world. Let me get gold and bring it back to fund further crusades and further expulsions from Spain. This is the worst episode of Shark Tank I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. I know. It's it's a bad pitch, but they buy it. And this kicks off Spanish exploration into quote-unquote new worlds, a.k.a. old worlds where people already lived that they just kind of took over. <laughs> um, and, and it's deliberately in service of funding and spreading widespread torture and racism. Like, that, that just is it. That's the whole reason. So... In 1492, that same year Columbus leaves, and this is literally months after he leaves, Ferdinand and Isabella formally decree that all Jews be expelled from all of Spain, because previously it was just Andalusia. Now it's all of Spain by force if necessary. And the only way to avoid leaving was to fully convert, renounce all Jewish faith and cultural customs, and assimilate entirely. But for the rest of your life, you'd be subject to interrogation and interviews to test this faith for life. Failure to adhere would result in your death. So you can leave or you can be under a microscope for the rest of your life. So, And it was pretty intense. I mean, they made you basically, you had to, um, you had to slice off a piece of chorizo and then tape it back onto your penis so that you would be re-uncircumcised. That's terrible, but also smoked chorizo. Don't, <laughs> don't, no, don't connect that to this because what you're saying is you're like, the one who brought up chorizo. If a man took down his pants and his cock smelled like smoked chorizo, I'm going to town. Honestly, though, smoked chorizo, delicious. If Try you, it. if you, ladies, gentlemen, anyone in between, if mm. you take off somebody's pants and their cock smells like smoked chorizo, get the fuck out of there because you don't want whatever weird new STD they have. Salamaria. <laughs> They can't uh, have an STD. It's a cured meat. Shut the fuck up. Shut your fucking mouth, Paige. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cured meat. <laughs> They're already cured. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's dumb. That's dumb. Pat self on back. Uh, so <laughs> Isabella dies in 1504, but she's already started the snowball rolling. The Inquisition lives far past her. By 1560, about 55 years after her death, give or take, roughly 300,000 Jews had left Spain. And it's unknown how many more were killed by inquisitors. But it meant that there were very, very few Jews left in Spain. In fact, at this point, the heresy trials, only 3% of them were Jews at that point. So, like, they've gotten rid of almost everybody. So the Inquisition next turned its eye to a group called the Moriscos, which was essentially a Muslim faction that had settled after the defeat of the Caliphate from northern Africa. Yet again, they were accused of practicing in secret, exactly like the Jews, the same idea. 
and inquisitors were sent to interrogate them. Now, previously, they'd been left alone while this was happening to the Jews. Uh, why? Money. See, the Moriscos were actually a huge amount of nobility, and a lot of them had a lot of money and mercantile business in the area, so people didn't want to disrupt the economy. So they had actually left them alone for almost a hundred years to try and preserve that cash flow. So the Moriscos, knowing that they had those cash resources at their disposal, revolted. They're like, yeah, you're not pulling this on us. So they go to full-on war under King Philip II and King Philip III until 1609. So this is literally a 50-year war over this until they too are expelled from Spain in its entirety. Now, most of them settle in Maghreb on the Barbary coast and they turn and help the Ottoman Empire fuck up Spanish ships and a lot of them become pirates. So it becomes this like, like culture of piracy purely out of spite just to fuck with Spain. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, if you'll remember from our uh, our episodes, <laughs> our episodes on the uh, on Blackbeard and his whole shit, that is a lot of piracy. A lot of piracy was just people being like, you know what? No, fuck this. I'm gonna go fuck their asses up. Anytime I even see a Spanish ship, they're fucking. It's on sight, bro. And that's these people. They And they literally aren't even doing it for treasure. They're no, just doing no. it to fuck with Spain. <laughs> Which is fucking awesome, honestly. It's pretty great. Because you think of a pirate and you're like, oh, it's all about the gold. No, some of them had these weird morals. Yeah. So around this same time, because this war is going on, they decide that they have to find other people to persecute. So they turn to what was left. The gays. Now. Oh, my God. Here's what's pretty interesting. Because in a lot of textbooks, you'll just read this as, air quotes, sodomite. But it is actually very specific who they meant. Um, so they qualified sodomy in a very interesting way. First and foremost, they don't make a distinction between being gay and being a pedophile. In their eyes, it is the same no matter what. However, they do make distinction between forced or unforced sodomy, but only to the degree that the victim got a lesser sentence. They were still punished, by the way. What the fuck? Yes. So, like, in in the case of, like, forced sodomy, you might have a victim who got, like, uh, ha however many lashes and the, the rapist was killed. But, like, the victim still got partially punished for the crime uh the other thing too that forced versus unforced dichotomy only applied if people were under 25 anyone over 25 found engaging in sodomy it didn't matter forced or otherwise those people were considered guilty just no matter what so the same way they would punish uh, someone who is assaulting children they are punishing consensual adult relationships as well. They, they make no distinction between the two. I always like, I've always heard the term sodomy, right? And you're always like, it sounds, it's, it sounds bad. It sounds like right. a bad fucking thing. Um, I know what it means, but I had to, I wanted to Google the exact definition and it is sexual intercourse involving anal or oral copulation, 
Which That's means correct. basically any way of having sex that isn't about procreation. Correct. Um, so they are describing sodomy like, okay, here's what I'm trying to get at. If I fuck my wife in the butt, am I going to prison? Um, It was very unlikely that they were going to question straight couples okay. at this time. Um, especially because remember that women are considered property Ooh. at this time. So you can do whatever you want to property, essentially. Um, this is more men having relationships with men. Um, but again, it, like, obviously you should punish pedophiles like that. That's yes. clearly that's bad. But they're not, um, they're not, they're, it's not the same. They're two no, different groups, yes, exactly. but they're not making it. They're not making a distinction. Now it is really interesting to note that they have percentages of how many people like they burned, mm-hmm. uh, from each like social strata. So, um, of the accused, 20% of them were in the clergy. <sighs> okay. Okay. So this has been a long standing problem. Of course. Uh, 37% are workers, mm-hmm. which is just general. So, like your, your normal peasants, I guess. Um, 6% are nobles. 19% are servants, who in this one, I feel like servants are probably in that forced camp. Yeah. Like, I would imagine a lot of your servants are forced. And finally, 17 to 18% were soldiers or sailors. Um, Yeah, I mean... Pirates been gay, man. Pirates been gay as hell. And I don't... It's not... I don't even... It's not a problem. Who does it fucking hurt? Why does it matter? What are you doing this for? Because they needed a boogeyman. They needed somebody to punish to, to keep their authority. But the problem with that is... Remember, this is the Catholic Church doing it. And so they didn't stay on that one for long because they were losing too many men to the cause. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also just really quick uh, sodomy again being anything that's like anal or oral copulation, basically anything except for PP and VGG. And I (sighs) curiosity got the best of me. And I did just do a Google search for when were blowjobs invented. And apparently they've been around longer than man itself. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I don't think there's a date. I think is, I think no, that is. There isn't, there isn't a date, but you know what? Yeah. It, here's what's fucking crazy to me. When was kissing invented? 1500 BC. Well, kissing as we know it, I think, because there's kissing described in, in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kissing is newer than blowjobs, Paige. We literally me, invented as a as a not even a race because as a, a as an existence on this planet Earth, we invented blowjobs before we were like, yeah, I'll kiss you on the mouth. Yeah, um, again, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, so it's the Catholic Church, and they keep losing. They keep having to burn their own. Uh, so they decide to pivot. And they got to find somebody else to persecute. Any guesses on who they went after next? All right. So let's check off. They've already done the Jews. They've just gone after the Muslims. They've gone after the gays. So I'm going to say just a generic blanket, everyone who's not white or wild card women a second time. Oh, boom. You got it with that second one because oh. they pivoted to witches. <laughs> oh, no. 
A demonstration of the Inquisition in Logroña in 1610 uh, had them burn six live witches and five dead witches. What the fuck? In effigy. Uh, Now, a fun fact about this. This ends up in season four of True Blood, where they imply that the reason that all these witches get burned is because the Catholics were vampires. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Oh, no. Okay, look, I haven't watched enough True Blood, and I know that I have to, okay? I, every <laughs> every single person I talk to has watched True Blood, and I feel like I'm missing out on something. Um, a lot of sodomy, honestly. <laughs> that's it. You got me into it. Again, I, a quick Google search. I don't know why I said it that way, but a quick Google search has implied that anal sex has also been around longer than kissing has. So sodomy is more natural than kissing is. Fuck you, the Catholic Church. Or at least more historical. Well, yeah, I think it's right. Anyway, so my point of view is that in True Blood, are mm-hmm. all monsters real? To a degree, yes, because yeah. like werewolves are real, fairies are real, vampires are real, were panthers are real, witches wait, wait, are wait, real. No, 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 no! Shut the fuck up. We were- don't talk about the were panthers. What do you mean we don't talk about the were panthers? That is the coolest fucking thing you've said. Except that it's not. Were panthers are the fucking worst. Okay, well, you werewolves see, are way cooler. You see how, like, on a on a on a fucking surface level, the term were panther sounds bad oh i know i feel you but then unfortunately in practice they are kind of just meth heads oh you're that's even better honest okay it's fine i'll let it go i know that you're picturing tuco salamanca as a were panther (laughs) and that's not what it is that sucks it's what you want it's what the spirit inside wants but it's not what it is okay well, I'm I'm actually I'm actually going to defer to True Blood here and say that this is true. The reason the Catholic Church are a bunch of vampires, not the literal ones that we've come to know and fear. They do the, drink blood. The ones that yeah, they do drink blood every fucking week and they also leech off of the people in a way that hurts everybody. There you go. So by the 1700s, the church had fully run out of Jews, Muslims, gays and witches to persecute. But they're still going. So who do you think's next? I mean, smart money's on women a third time. (laughs) (laughs) That would be smart money. However, that is not the case. Um, God, is it? This is a bad game. This is a bad game that we've invented. It's again, I've a blanket of all non-whites is sort of my go to. Oddly enough, this one isn't racial. Really? Okay. Or gendered. Is it a different religion? Kind of. Interesting. Is it atheists? Close. It's the Freemasons. Wait, what? What? The Freemasons. What are you? You're scraping the bottom of the barrel of people to persecute against, my dude. Yes. Uh, And honestly, the longer this goes, the less they're actually persecuting people. Like, they're keeping the laws on the books to basically bring people to trial whenever they feel like they want to for (laughs) political gain. It's like how Um, Disney has to make a live-action version of all their movies so they keep the copyright intact. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So what stops it? 
what stops the Spanish Inquisition? Well, the French Revolution. Hell yeah, baby. Let's go. Where's my bread? So here's why. Uh, Spain watches as the French Revolution takes place and the proletariat rise up and immediately take out the rich. So the church gets a little worried about how much power they have in Spain and how that can look and how much money the church has, how much land it owns. So they declare a formal end to the Inquisition July 15th. Can you guess what year? Okay, the French Revolution... Um, fuck, man, my history is bad. I'm going to say... It's after, essentially. I'm going to... Oof, the end of the Spanish Inquisition. I want to say, like, 1901. You're actually pretty close. It's 1834. Oh, now, not here's close the, at all. Well, but here's the thing. I think a lot of people think the Inquisition was something that was only happening when Columbus was alive. 1834. To put that into perspective, in 1834... The first refrigerator was invented. Wait, no, come on. Like a mechanical refrigerator. Um, also, the first mechanical, now not electric, but mechanical calculator was invented. The Colt revolver was invented. The Oregon Trail was already well established. And Joseph Smith of the Mormons died two years before the Inquisition ended. Oh, my God. It's wild. <sighs> That's, you don't, I don't, no, <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it either, but them's the breaks and thus ends the Spanish Inquisition. Wow. Look at that. A fantastic series on why the Catholics should never be put in charge of goddamn anything, much less. A, Honestly, uh, though, seriously. Yeah. Look at how they handled this bullshit. You think they should be the ones running Halloween festivities? Get the fuck out of here. Get out. Look at how they here. handled names like Sixtus the Fourth. <laughs> That's so fucking stupid. Has there? There's been. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say. There's there. Has there ever been a normal pope named? Oh, God, no. And then I remember there's like Paul or something. There's definitely a Sixtus the Sixth. Oh, God. But uh, you can't. Oh, no, I guess not. There's been a Sixtus the Fifth, but Sixtus the Sixth is like, you can't be Sixtus anymore because it'd be Sixtus the Sixth and people and think it's weird. Yeah, that's too close to. Telus Forfus is a name. Hyginvis pivs oh my god that actually wait no i don't think these are their names are they yeah they are i, I have a, a list of the best pope names um oh these are their latin names okay uh boniface uh <laughs> is one of the i had uh he was a very very close family friend but we called him uncle uncle bud but bud was short for bonifacio pope urban pope urban anastasius okay. eugene Oh, no. Sergius. Ooh, Pope Sergius. That sounds, that actually sounds dope as fuck. There is, we, we didn't, he was only Pope for four years, so we didn't end up covering it because we had to kind of like gloss over those four years, but there was a Pope Lucius, which to me sounded a lot like, like either the dad from Harry Potter, like Malfoy's dad from Harry Potter, or Pimp Lucius from <gasps> Trapped in the Closet. Ooh, that rocks. There was a Pope Sylvester who I... Only oh. will recognize a Sylvester Stallone. A Diodatus, Pope Adiodatus. There was a Saint Hilary. Agapetus. There was Pope Hillary. 
Pope Marcellus. Wallace. Mm-hmm. Mm. Pope Boniface. Uh, that that's good. I think it's funny that there's a Pope Dionysus. Yeah. Uh, he was the Bishop of Rome. This is actually still under the uh, Roman Empire. Uh, but Dionysus is, you know, a, a Roman god name. So that's kind of fun. St. Conan? Pope Conan? Damn, Pope Conan? Damn, that rocks. Pope Hilarious? <laughs> that one is funny. <laughs> that should be your first album. Pope Hilarious? Pope Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. A lot Pope of these... Lando. Pope Lando. Okay, we've gotten to the right one. I know that this means John the Tenth, but I just saw one that just says John X, and I fucking love. <laughs> I love that, like that sci-fi movie of the Pope going to space. Oh, I like Zephyrinus or Vitalius, Vitalian, Zosimus. Some of these ones at the end are wild. Yeah, Silverius, Severinus. I, I like as you watch them get slightly more normal. Romanus, Pope Romanus. Anyway, it's been fun talking about crazy Pope names. We'll have to do it again sometime soon. Yeah. Oh, God. Pope Pius? When was that? 1922? There's a lot of Piuses. God damn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Halloween Ends yet, but there's uh, a line in it from the DJ who claims that Michael Myers killed Pope John Paul I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh pope john paul the first was uh oh i guess in 1978 so i guess maybe back in the day um but i always like in my mind i was like jp the deuce for a long time so like that would have been a long time ago so it would have been like right around the time of the first halloween movie but yeah pope john paul the first yeah if you have time, go back and uh, go back and just look at uh, the list of popes. Scroll all the way down to the bottom, and then just start looking at their portraits because pretty much <laughs> yeah. after Pope Francis, they all just look like extremely evil villains. Oh yeah, absolutely. Except yeah, Saint Paul the sixth looks like fucking Mister Bean. Oh my God, could you imagine Mr. Bean was Pope? I actually could, and I think it would rock. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, thank you, Paige, for this fascinating series on both history and how terrible it always has been and will be. <laughs> Ain't never a time I've ever looked back in history and, um, what the fuck? My watch was just like, it caught all of that. And I don't oh. know what it did with that information, but it just read that. All right, Paige. Well, thank you for this series on history and how terrible it's always been. Is all <laughs> that it said on my watch. Yeah. This has been, this has been so much fun. Um, I, look, this episode was horrifying. Last episode, yes. horrifying. First episode, pretty terrifying. But we'll always have episode two. We'll always have the Cathars. Oh, we will. And uh, we wanted to give right quick a special shout out to um, to a, I guess, a, <laughs> I hate to say it like this, but a member of the team, baby. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We wanted to say a heartfelt rest in peace and always remember Paul Morantz, Esquire, the coolest yes. lawyer to ever practice law. 
pretty badass. I talked to Marie uh, for a while the other night because I, I don't know if you know. I think we talked about this. Marie stayed in contact with Paul yeah. even after uh, she she no longer worked on Cult Podcast. And uh, just to highlight what their relationship was like <laughs> after she had her her baby, uh, she came over to Paul's house to help him put up Christmas decorations. And he was like, oh, my God, you look so much better than the last time I saw you. I don't know what you've been doing, but you look great. And she was like, the last time I saw you, I was nine months <laughs> pregnant. And he was just like, oh, well, anyway, thanks for helping to put up the Christmas decorations. Well, anyway, yeah, nine months pregnant. Well, don't do that again. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Last time I saw you, you look like dog shit. You look terrible. <laughs> oh, that's fucking awesome. I loved Paul. He was such a weirdo, but like in the best way. I remember when Paige, uh, myself, and Marie went to his house and saw his collection of Synanon stuff. I know. You, who gets it now? You, well, <laughs> we better be left something. Mm. Um. I remember you mentioned that you were bidding on something from Synanon and he also was bidding on that and it like changed the dynamic for five minutes where you were suddenly his enemy. Yeah. Yeah. I still have it too. It's, it's, I have, it's packed in a whole bunch of just cult stuff because people send us cult stuff a lot. Uh, but it was an untorn raffle ticket from a Synanon raffle for a 1967 Corvette. Yeah, it was really interesting. But I also think one of my favorite parts of Paul that I don't think we've talked about much, but Marie and I found ourselves talking and laughing about quite a bit the other day, thinking about it, was uh, Paul's screenplays. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Paul, you may have heard, there there were some articles out, and, and I want to be careful how I talk about it, but where there's a Synanon podcast coming out that Robert Downey Jr. was involved in. And uh, Paul has stated that he feels like they took his story without compensating him for it. Um, As somebody who worked with Paul, Paul always wanted to write his own story and has many times. Like he has books out. You should definitely go read them. They are fascinating. But Paul specifically really wanted to write screenplays about any and all and everything, not necessarily his own story. So he always wanted to be involved in anything anyone was doing for anything like that. Um, And I just remember him for easily two hours pitching us every screenplay idea he had ever had. It was a lot. It was a lot. He sent some to Marie, so we have some, but um, those will, I guess, be for us to enjoy unless his family decides to, I guess, release them. And hey, we just want to say this episode is dedicated to you, Paul. You, you're fighting in the big courtroom in the sky now. Yeah. You're opening God's mailbox and getting bit by the devil's snake now, buddy. Well, I would hope not in heaven. Nah, but he's invincible. So now, yeah. just like he was on Earth, honestly, now he's up there just fucking fighting snakes for the fun of it. I, I, I love that for him. He would have wanted that, I think. I, honestly i think he would have you i mean as long as the snake was he paul loved to fight for what he thought was right now whether he was always right or not that's debatable but paul always wanted to fight for what he believed was the right thing to do and if that means punching a hundred snakes up in heaven 
then I'm, I'm, I hope he gets to do that. Yeah. And I want to say you, the listener, the best way to honor this person is to just always stand for what you believe in. Um, do the right thing, whatever that may be. And anytime you see a fucking snake, dude, just fucking put it in a chokehold and never let go. Can you choke a snake? It's all neck. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do know that I Paul always wanted people to question large group awareness and people who claim to have all the answers because he never believed that those people did. So that's the best way I, I think you could honor Paul is ask questions. Yeah, and punch snakes. We're saying the and same punch thing. punch snakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're saying the same thing. So, Paul, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Uh, you truly were just a... A swell guy, and I mean that. I, I, th- everything I say always sounds like it's a bit, but I, I'm not. He's a swell guy who helped us a lot. If you've ever listened to an episode of Cult Podcast and you've heard the intro at the beginning, he wrote that. Well, he helped us write it um, uh, after we had our legal issues, and he took on some of our battles pro bono. Did not have to. Did not have to, but he did. And one of my favorites was, and I'm. I'm waiting for this other person to die so that we can talk about them. But there is a uh, cult leader we tried to cover that uh, they made us take the episode down. But that guy is, and I checked as soon as I found out that Paul had passed away to see if that guy was still alive. Uh, He is 85. So we're just crossing our fingers. Uh, But Paul had sued that person before and won. So when Paul sent them a letter in response to the cease and desist they sent us the letter ended with you know who i am <laughs> it was one of my favorite <laughs> things ever was he was just like you will not contact these people they are my clients whatever and i don't think you want to get into it with me because you know who i am and i was well, just like yes yes that was yes. just the final draft the first draft was you know who the fuck it is <laughs> yeah, signed, fuck around and find out fuck bitch. around and find out signed paul morantz Oh man, oh. we'll miss you, Paul. We miss, we miss you. you a lot. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel right to do plugs after that. So you know what? You know where to find us. Um, and the one plug I will say is that if you're listening to this on release day, come watch Paige Wesley do roast battle. Uh, you can find her at Rampage Wesley, um, Paige Wesley on, on Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go do that. The rest of the stuff is in the show before the show. We love you. You're great. Thank you. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Paige, you want to take us out? I'm going to say for this one, don't drink anything the Catholics hand you. <laughs> they might be vampires. <laughs> oh, this is the actual blood of Christ. <laughs> and don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Bye. Bye.